All right, turn to Ezekiel 34 and John 10. Now, that's two passages that we'll go through. We'll go through a lot of Scripture in the message, but that's two you can turn to. For those of you who are brave, I'll give you another reference if you want to try three. All right? So, Ezekiel 34, you could, if you want to try three, you could put a marker at Ezekiel 34 and the marker at John 10, and then you could open your Bibles to Jeremiah 23, because we'll actually go there before we go to any of the others. So, there's three Scripture references if you think you can handle that many, all right? Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, John 10. We're in a series entitled, The Blueprint, God's Master Plan for Your Lives. And before I ever get to any of those scriptures I told you, I'm going to read a scripture out of Nehemiah because we're basing it, the series, on the book of Nehemiah and on rebuilding the city, which to us now represents spiritually the church. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. Now, they're rebuilding the gates and the walls to the city. I want you to notice that the first gate that they rebuild is the sheep gate. It's the first one. The very first one. It's where they brought the sheep in to the temple to sacrifice the sheep. It is actually the first, the, the closest gate to the temple. So it's the closest gate to where the place where they gather to have church. Eliashib is the grandson of Joshua. There are only two Joshuas in the Old Testament. The first Joshua was Moses' assistant before he became the leader, and he led the people of Israel into the land God had for them. The second Joshua was the high priest that led the people back into the land after the captivity, after the 70 years of captivity. All of this in the book of Nehemiah is happening after the 70 years of captivity when the people have been released from Babylon to go back and rebuild the city. All right. So there's only two Joshuas in the Old Testament. Here's why. The name Joshua, actually in Hebrew, Yahashua, means God is salvation. It's close to another Hebrew word, which is Yeshua. Yeshua means, I am salvation. Joshua, God is salvation. Yeshua, which is Jesus, I am salvation. So, the priest rose up and put this first gate, set this gate in place. And then it says this, that they dedicated it. They dedicated it. Now think about that. That goes along with the principle that I've preached many, many times, that you should give the first one to God, and the rest will be blessed if you give the first one to God. That's the principle of tithing. It's not the principle of 10%. It's the principle that you give the first 10% to God. And if you give the first to God, the rest is blessed. This is what they did when they rebuilt the city. They took the first gate, they had the priest hang this gate, and they hung the gate, and then they dedicated it to God so the rest would be blessed. But the name of the gate was the sheep gate. It is important for us to understand that because sheep and shepherds is a theme throughout the whole Bible. We are called God's sheep. He is called our shepherd. For instance, two psalms that are very, very familiar to probably every one of us here. We even have them on bookmarkers and things like that. Psalm 100 and Psalm 23. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. This is a theme through the whole Bible. We are sheep. He's our shepherd. I'm a sheep too. But we are told about shepherds through the Bible. So, Here's the name of the message today. Shepherds are a part of His plan. 
Shepherds are part of God's blueprint for my life and for your life. To have shepherds that are like Him, that love us, that protect us, that serve us, that lay down their lives for us, and that feed us. So I want to tell you some things about shepherds today, all right? Here's point number one. Number one, we are warned about false shepherds. All you've got to do is just read through the Bible every time you find the word shepherds and see how many times God talks about false shepherds, false prophets, false teachers, and He called the Pharisees blind leaders. We're warned about false leaders. Let me read you some scripture about it. Jeremiah 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. My pasture, by the way, he says, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock. Notice the word scattered. It's an important word. We'll come back to it. Driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock. Again, he refers to his people as his flock out of all countries where I've driven them, and bring them back to their folds, they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them. It is part of God's plan for us to have good shepherds, who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Now look at Ezekiel 34, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now, I want to just comment on something before we continue in Ezekiel 34. He is speaking about spiritual sheep. He's not talking about natural sheep. He's not talking about a guy out on the side of a hill with a stick and a dress zone. Everyone agree with that? He's talking about shepherds, spiritual leaders here. So shepherds has a spiritual meaning. It's talking about pastors. Sheep has a spiritual meaning. It's talking about people. And in a moment, I'm going to show you a verse, and we're going to ask you, does this have a spiritual meaning as well? And I want you to see that it does, all right? The next verse that we read, though, will go through the five basic ministries of Jesus. For instance, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, speaking of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, Because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, good news to the poor, the acceptable, acceptable day of the Lord. That speaks of salvation. He said He's called me to heal the brokenhearted. That's emotional healing. To open the blind eyes. That's physical healing. And to preach deliverance to the captives. That's deliverance. Now, let me go through these again. You might want to write them down if you've never studied these. These are the five basic ministries of Jesus. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, emotional healing, physical healing, and deliverance. I'll say them one more time if you're writing. Salvation, spirit baptism, emotional healing, physical healing, and deliverance. By the way, I feel like I got some revelation this past week on physical healing. Because we don't see as much physical healing. We do see some. I was just, one of the uh, uh, persons here in the church was just sharing with me about a guy that had a stroke. They said he was blind, he'd never see again, and he's, his God has completely restored his sight. So we do see physical healing. But it doesn't seem we see as much as we did when Jesus was on this earth. Here's one of the reasons why I believe. I was actually jogging this last week because God has spoken to me about dying and exercise. 
And, and while I was jogging, I was going over my message. And the Lord just, this scripture came to my mind. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. All who were oppressed by the devil. And here's what I thought. Some of our sicknesses might not be the devil oppressing us, but might be what we're eating. And while we're eating it, God, please heal me. And we're putting the wrong thing in our body, and we're not exercising, and we're not taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. It does not say your soul is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say your spirit is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we should take care of that as well. And so I do believe God heals. He still heals. But I believe there's also things we have a responsibility as well. So here are the five basic ministries of Jesus. Again, salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, physical healing, emotional healing. He will heal you emotionally and deliverance. Let me show you because it says that shepherds should be doing these five things. All right. Ezekiel 34, verse 4. The weak you have not strengthened. That is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or strength when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that's referring to spirit baptism. Nor have you healed those who are sick. That's physical healing. Nor bound up the broken. That's emotional healing. Nor brought back what was driven away. That's deliverance. Because this is referring to when people were taken captive, they were driven away to another land and taken captive. Like when Abraham and Lot went their separate ways and Lot was taken away to another land, Abraham went and brought him back. The ones that were taken away, he brought them back. So he says, you haven't gone and brought the captives back, set the captives free, brought back those that were driven away, nor sought what was lost. That's evangelism. That's salvation. There are the five basic ministry of Jesus. And here's what he's saying to the shepherds. You're not doing this. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So they were scattered. Look for the spiritual meanings now in the verse. They, referring to his sheep, people, they were scattered because there was no shepherd, no spiritual leader. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Okay. Is this talking about literal shepherds? Yes or no? No, it's talking about spiritual shepherds, right? Is it talking about literal sheep? No, it's talking about spiritual sheep, all right? Is it talking then about literal beasts of the field? No. What's this referring to? Demons. Demonic spirits. See, he's talking about people and spiritual leaders here. And what he says is, because the spiritual leaders did not take care of my people like they should have, they became food for the beasts of the field. If you take beasts of the field, just that phrase, and look at it all through Scripture, you'll see it has a spiritual meaning. For instance, in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 3.1, this is what it says. Now the serpent, now, is that talking about a serpent, even though it may have appeared as a literal serpent? Who's it talking about in Genesis 3.1 when it says serpent? Satan, everyone knows that, but it doesn't say Satan anywhere in the verse. But we all know it's so much Satan. And the rest of the Bible confirms that. Now the serpent, this is what it says, listen. The serpent is the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. In other words, Satan is the most subtle of all the fallen demons, of all the fallen angels. He's the most subtle. When my people get scattered because of the false shepherds, when the shepherds don't feed them like they should then they become open prey for the demonic spirits. That's what it's saying. So we need to understand, again, that we are warned all through Scripture about false shepherds. Now, look at John chapter 10. John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, 
He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, wonder if the wolf represents something here, and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Now, do you think that the devil knows the Bible? You better believe it. And if he sees Scripture that says, if you strike the shepherd, which is in Zechariah, by the way, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. Do you think he attacks shepherds? Sure he does. Did you know what the national average is for a pastor's tenure at a church? Eighteen months. It's national average. National average, average all the churches, pastors go to a different church every 18 months. Why? Because Satan knows. If I can get that shepherd, if I can get him, and here's the other thing, here's the sad thing. Some of them shouldn't be in the ministry. Some of them really don't care about the sheep, they're just hirelings. And so when they see the wolf coming, they send their resume out. Go somewhere else. Alright, well, how can we recognize false shepherds? Well, here's a few ways from these scriptures. One, they scatter sheep. It's amazing to me how many ministers go to churches and the churches get smaller rather than larger. Well, someone needs to tell him, this is not your gift. (laughs) You need to sell cars or something, but this is not your gift, pal. Because shepherds gather sheep. They don't scatter sheep. But I think the reason that some of them do is because it's their little kingdom. I think there are some shepherds that are in the business for the wrong motive. They're in it because of some sort of position or title. They're definitely not in it for the money. (laughs) Some of them are, unfortunately, because some have gotten to that place. But that's not the reason. There's some sort of a wrong motive in their heart. And there's something, there's something, they're doing something there, and they're not gifted, and they're not called to do it. And they scatter sheep. I've been, I've been to churches where the pastor makes statements like this. You know, if you don't like it here, you can just go somewhere else. And of course, people are thinking, okay. <laughs> and that's what you ought to think. We're called to serve people, to help people, to minister to people. We uh, took a cruise this last fall, Debbie and I. With our primetime ministry, we're not prime timers yet, but we are close. Uh, so, and we went on this cruise, and there was another group on the cruise with us. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They were the Red Hat Society. <laughs> you ever heard of them? And I know there are probably a lot of great Red Hatters out there, but I think I think their society is a little like churches. I think there's some good ones and some bad ones, you know. Well, we were in line to get some tickets for something one time, and there was a, a you know what the, uh, by the way, the, the head woman in each Red Hat Society chapter is called? The Queen Mother. Yeah. And by the way, on the cruise, it was all of them, the national deal, and the queen, the, the high, holy, most omnipotent queen was on the, she, she was on our cruise. We met her. So anyway. But one of the queens from one of the chapters, and she was a, she was a queen. I mean, she was, I wouldn't have wanted to get in a fight with her. She was huge. And so anyway, she was behind us in line, and she was talking. And so I decided to ask some questions, because I'd never heard of it. So I was asking questions. I probably asked a bad example, you know, of the whole society. But, so I'm asking her questions, and boy, she was just telling me. She said, you know, I, it, it's, every chapter's independent. The queen mother can run any way she wants to, and I just tell the people, this is the way it is, it's my way or the highway, and hit the road jack, and I just, it's, we just, you know, and she's going on and on. And so I said to her in a minute, I said, well, uh, how many people attend your chapter? Now listen to what she said. She said, about 15 or 20, but we probably had 100 come through. <laughs> and I wanted to say, but I got a nudge. 
from Holy Spirit number two. <laughs> My sweet wife that helps me. Because uh, I was like this. She said, we probably had Hunter come through. I, and she, you know, she nudged me like that. Yeah. I, I started to say, I can help you, lady. <laughs> I can tell you why you've lost so many people there, you know. Uh, because you're a tyrant, you know. But anyway, when I, when I left uh, from talking to her, I said to Debbie, here's the sad thing. A lot of pastors are queen mothers. That's what they are. And it's my way or the highway and, and da, da da And they got a little, a little, little, little group of people that they just beat every week. And you know what's amazing to me is how, many, how much sheep like to get beat on. It is amazing how many people grew up in a church where the, the, the more the pastor beat on you, the better you felt every week. And can I tell you something? You do not need to be beat on because he was beaten for you. He's already been beaten for us. We don't need to go to church to get beaten on. We need to go to church to get fed. So anyway, that's one thing. They scatter sheep. Second one is they don't feed sheep. They tell jokes and stories and go through all these things and take an hour to do it. It's amazing to me how they can say nothing and take more time. It's amazing to me. And never even open the Bible. You ever been to a church where they never open the Bible? And they call that church. It's horrible. I remember when I first started going to church where we'd worship and get in the presence of God. And I was coming from a very traditional type church. And we didn't do that. And we didn't have much Bible. And uh, this friend of mine who was still in that church called me on a Sunday afternoon and said, Well, what was your message? What was the message today? And I said, Man, he preached about the overwhelming victory we have in Jesus. And he showed it to us all through the Bible. I mean, he showed us in Abraham and David and Isaiah and all through Scriptures. And it was incredible how much of the Scripture he showed us. I said, what was the sermon where you were? He said, well, number one, we never opened our Bible. And the name of the sermon was gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> now, that, that was a song, by the way. How many of you remember that gloom, despair, and agony on me? See, these are, that's the other prime timers that are here. Um, it was on Hee Haw. BR549, you know, anyway. So, all right, never mind. Maybe I am a prime timer, too. All right. <clears throat> The point is, they don't, they don't strengthen sheep, they don't feed sheep, they don't help sheep, they don't heal sheep, they don't mature sheep, they don't love sheep. That's how you can tell. If a person is not in the place he ought to be, if he's not loving sheep and laying down his life for sheep, and not helping the sheep. Here's the thing, I believe that there are false shepherds that have wrong motives. I also believe, though, that there are good people who are just in the wrong place. And they're not called and gifted to be able to feed people and lead people. And they should not be leading and feeding because that's what a shepherd does. All right, here's the second thing. We are admonished to follow true shepherds. We are admonished to follow true shepherds. Remember, I'm telling you, shepherds are part of God's plan for us. Jeremiah 3.15 And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And then John chapter 10, verse 1. John 10, verse 1, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, that's a place where sheep are gathered, a church, by the door. Now, we're going to figure out in a minute what the door is. But climbs up some other way. The same is a thief and a robber, not a true shepherd. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now what? look at verse 6. It's a very sad verse in the Bible. Jesus used this illustration 
but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, now he's going to explain it, I am the door of the sheep. Now remember what he said, any person, any shepherd that tries to lead the sheep but doesn't come through the door, he's a thief and a robber. He's going to end up hurting the sheep. And who's the door? Jesus. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Any person that tries to lead sheep that are not called and gifted by Jesus to lead sheep is going to end up hurting sheep. Jesus is the one who calls shepherds. Now, how many of you have heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Can I see your hand? Okay. We believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this, though. How many of you have heard about the gifts of Jesus? See your hand? Not as many. You want to know why? Because we just don't think about it. But when I tell you what the gifts are, you're going to know it. But you don't think that they're given. We just don't know that the Bible says they were given by Jesus. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. When He ascended, Jesus, He gave gifts to men. Here they are. You've heard of them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're gifts of Jesus. Now, they're not more important than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to compare or contrast them. Okay, not at all. But it seems like we know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know that Jesus gave gifts too. When Jesus ascended, this is the Bible, Ephesians 4, He gave gifts to men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, past teachers. Now, I know this sounds kind of strange, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Do you realize I'm a gift? I'm a gift from Jesus. Why? Because I'm a shepherd, because I take care of sheep, because I equip sheep. Do you know apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, listen to me, they all have the same ministry. The exact same ministry. Now listen, they do it differently. They have a different function, but the same ministry. You know what the ministry is? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what that's apostles equip saints for the work of ministry. Prophets equip saints for the work of ministry. Here's the problem. we got people running around saying they're a prophet, and they're not equipping anyone. Well, according to Ephesians 4, they're not prophets. Is this okay for me to say this? And, and the problem is, many of them are going around scattering sheep. Not gathering sheep. Not helping sheep. Not feeding sheep. Now, they all do it differently. They have a different function but the same ministry. They have different responsibilities. Apostles do it differently than evangelists do it. Evangelists do it different than teachers. That's fine. God wants that. That's why He made five different categories. But they all do the same thing. They feed sheep, help sheep, minister sheep, bless sheep, encourage sheep, equip sheep. By the way, they equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, I'm a saint. As a saint, I do the work of the ministry. I witness to people. I pray for the sick. That's the work of the ministry. I do that as a saint. But as a shepherd, that's not what I do. You know what I do as a shepherd? As a shepherd, I equip you to do the work of the ministry. Listen, I get paid to get you to work. (laughs) It's a great job. (laughs) Do you understand that if I'm the only one winning people to Jesus, Dallas-Fort Worth isn't going to be one to the Lord? But if I can get all of you to win people to Jesus... We can win this city pretty quickly. See? That's God's plan, is to give us shepherds who will feed us and equip us to do the work of the ministry. This next weekend, at 1045, next weekend, now two weeks is Easter, next weekend, you saw it on the announcement, 1045, a meeting in room 206 for any person interested in becoming a group leader. Just interested. Do you know how many of you should attend that meeting? All of you. 
all of you should be interested in becoming a leader in the body of Christ if you're not already a leader. All of you should. Because all of us are saints that we need to do the work of the ministry. All right. So, we are admonished to follow true shepherds. Listen, here's a true shepherd speaking to other shepherds. His name is Paul. Let me read you scripture. Acts 20, verse 28. Therefore, this is Paul talking, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is why he feels so strongly about shepherds, because they're taking care of the ones he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, I have a question for you. When Paul left this church, did literal wolves come in and eat the people up? No. But it's in the Bible. So what's he talking about? He's talking about demonic spirits. And he says to the shepherds, you better keep them. Now, but we just read in John 10, what do hirelings do? People who are just in it for the money or just in it for a job. What do they do when the wolf comes? They go away. But not a shepherd. A shepherd steps up with his staff and says, if you want to get to them, you've got to come through me. And the great thing is that when a true shepherd steps up and says that to the wolf, the devil... The true shepherd, the real shepherd, steps up behind the little shepherd and says, I'm here too, pal. If you want to try to come through him, I'm right here too. So how do we recognize true shepherds? Well, it's everything that's opposite of the false shepherd. They gather people. They don't scatter them. They feed the sheep. They love the sheep. They bless the sheep. They protect the sheep. They care for the sheep. They serve the sheep. They lay their lives down. They look like Jesus. Which brings me to my last point. Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. Let me read you some scripture. Matthew 2, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, out of Bethlehem, shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Speaking of Jesus. Hebrews thirteen twenty. speaking of our Lord Jesus, calls him that great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter two twenty five. For you were like sheep going astray but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Mark 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Now watch this. So, so, he began to teach them many things. You know what that says? In other words, so he began to feed them. He began to teach. If you want to know what a shepherd really looks like, just You get around guys that just always want to teach. They just want to teach. They want to help. They want to feed people. John 10. Look at verse 24 of John 10. Where This is uh, the second to last scripture. I'm sorry that I didn't have just one scripture for you this week. <laughs> John 10, verse 24. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I think that's hilarious. Jesus answered, I told you, but you did not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe, watch, because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, now watch verse 27, 28. As a matter of fact, I'll just go and tell you. There are four privileges to being a sheep. See if you can pick them out. I'll, I'll tell them to you. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life. <laughs> Let me tell you the four privileges to being a sheep. We get to hear God, know God, follow God, and live forever. It's not a bad deal. 
Know God, hear God, follow God, and live forever. It's a pretty good deal. Jesus is the great shepherd. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to. But have you ever been under a bad shepherd? It's not good, is it? But here's the great news. Even if you've been under a bad shepherd, there's still a great shepherd. And he will feed you. I, I think I feed you on the weekends. It's the, it's the desire in my heart to feed you every weekend. But let me explain something to you. One meal a week is not enough. Doesn't matter how many scriptures I put in a sermon, it's not enough to last all week. If you're only going to eat spiritually one meal a week, then I want you also to do that physically. If you're going to eat physical food every day, I want you to eat spiritual food every day. Even if it's just a chapter a day, read your Bible. It will amaze you the change that it brings in your life. It will amaze you when you eat. It'd be like, can you imagine if you worked out with weights every day? Every day. Every day. Would you get stronger? Sure you would. Well, what if you lifted spiritual weights every day? You'd get a whole lot stronger. We have a great shepherd. I'm going to read you one more scripture. This is an incredible scripture. Remember back in Ezekiel 34, he's talking about the false shepherds. You scattered them. You didn't feed them. You didn't take care of them. Well, there's a prophetic scripture in Ezekiel 34 that's going to blow you away where Jesus says, you know what, because you didn't take care of them, I'll just do it myself. And watch what he says, Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Now, remember the verse we just read where Jesus was right there in the middle of them, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. Watch. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep. That's talking about when he was in Jerusalem. When he was among his scattered sheep. Now watch this. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. If you remember... When Jesus died on the cross, you remember anything about what it was that day, what type of, what the weather did that day? Here's what the Bible says, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that clouds and darkness covered the whole earth on the day he died on the cross. Here, way back in Ezekiel, God says, there's going to be a day that I'm going to deliver everyone. It's going to be a very cloudy and a very dark day. But on that day, I'm going to get my sheep back. I'm going to deliver them in one day. That day happened. Jesus is the great shepherd. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.